Welcome to another amazing episode of Talent Takeover Unfiltered. Right. Thank you so much for listening because you inspire us always. So let's get into it. This one is going to be all about when are hiring managers costing you money? Yes, this is controversial. Welcome to Talent Takeover Unfiltered. When it comes to working hard and keeping it real, we know our shit. Self-care, happiness, inner peace, and time. I'm Brianna Rooney, and this is Taylor Bradley. Hey, y'all. And we have thrived in chaos and turned it into an art form. So, Taylor, what are we doing here today? We're here to give you a raw, under-the-hood view of all things recruiting and finally give credit where credit is due to a long, underrated industry that's full of, quote-unquote, experts. Well, then let's take this show to the road. Very controversial, in fact. And but, you know, we need to talk about it because the hiring managers definitely affect the recruiter's job. So they can cost us a lot of money and you could then be paying for too much money for recruiters. So, Taylor, how often have you seen this happen? Uh, Every day. (laughs) (laughs) Monday through Sunday, it happens. But um, no, I mean, hiring managers... This shit happens all the time in our world, but it's also just like, I don't think they realize how much money they're spending and then what they're doing, the damage they're doing to their brands, just having these roles open. I would say I'm skipping ahead, obviously, but jumping right into one of the biggest issues that I see is they just have these jobs open for so long, Mm -hmm. 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. It's changed 13 times. Yeah. That's typically like. I would say number one, as far as where your hiring managers are costing you money, they don't know what they're looking for or it doesn't exist. They have to hire their backfill and nobody's as good as them. And, you know, (laughs) didn't graduate from Yale in 1976 like they did. And, (laughs) you know, like they're like, I know all you have to know exactly what I know or, you know, you're not qualified for the job. So I think hiring managers are still, if I could summarize it, they're still focusing too much on the hard skills and experience. And, you know, I'd like to welcome them to 2022 to focus more on soft skills. Well, and what can you train? Like that's its own, you know, can of worms for sure. But hiring managers are one of the ones that cost the most money as far as company goes, right? Uh, So they're not even taking that into account about how much time they're spending on even just interviewing. And I call it fake interviewing. Because it's like, do you really want to fill the role or do you just want to, again, dial it in and just interview? And you're looking for, like you said, this purple squirrel, which probably doesn't exist. Yeah. I feel like most of the time it's to check a box, right? Their leadership or Mm -hmm. somebody, you know, above wants them to backfill a job or fill a role and they're not invested in it. And that's where, that's like the first sign of, you know, this hiring process and cycle is going to be a real motherfucker (laughs) whenever the hiring manager is just, they, they're not available. They're not accessible. They don't provide feedback. You can tell they don't see it as a priority. Yeah. Problem number one. And so it trickles down to two sectors, and I love to dig deep into both of these. But one, the candidate experience. So here we have this candidate, and let's just say they are badass, and you have recruiters trying to get these badass candidates, and the candidate's like, oh, that's weird. That rec is still open. It's still on their site. I was going to apply to them six months ago. Did they not fill this role? Then all of a sudden the company smells, you know, like a stinky cheese. Yeah. So that's that. And then on the other side of the coin is you have a recruiter 
who their role, and we talk about KPIs and what they're supposed to be hitting, their job actually depends on filling this role. And you have a hiring manager who's not that serious about it. And they're just sourcing, sourcing, and sourcing. So they're frustrated. They're upset. They're probably going to leave because they're not seeing success because either one, they're bored or two, they fear their job, which happens a lot in recruiting. And then that costs the company money. So we're costing money all over the, the chain here on just one hiring manager not really pulling the trigger. Yeah, and I feel like that's so impactful. The data. Show them the cost of vacancy. So Ooh, they, cost of vacancy. Let's pause for that. Yeah, cost, of, cost vacancy. of vacancy. Love that. A lot of companies are like, well, how do you factor that out? How do you figure that? But to me, it's without even having to put the numbers, the specific numbers on it or the formula, it's, you know, a lot of managers say that the whole reason they don't have time to interview is because them and two other people are having to do this person's job because it's a vacant role. But it's like, okay, but do you not realize it's going to stay vacant if you don't make the time to interview? So you're going to mm-hmm. stay doing that job. So which one? It's it's a, a give and take, right? And I feel like a lot of managers, until you put data in front of them, they have no idea what they're, the detriment that they're actually doing to the company. You bring up another amazing point because that also is affecting the hiring manager's team. So yeah. it's one thing the hiring manager, you know, digs and clods its way to this particular position. They're used to probably working too much, to, you know, and, right. and and they're going for it and they probably love it. Maybe that's their whole world and they don't give a shit. But what they're not understanding is now they have their whole team in kind of a predicament on one, they're working too much that they didn't sign up for that shit. And then also they're thinking like, wait a minute, why am I working for a company that's a stinky cheese? Why does no, no one want to join us? Yep. What the hell? So that alone is probably going to cost even more people to leave. Now you got to backfill. We talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Do we talk about not only filling the role, but then now backfilling a role. And then lots of times, and, and especially in this, you know, candidate driven market, they're literally just backfilling. Yep. Yeah. I actually read this really interesting article the other day that um, was saying that there is going to be this shift in the next few years where they're going to be able to automate the bulk of hiring manager tasks or manager tasks. So Mm. bulk and automate them. So it's like, they're going to be this, there's going to be this focus and switch from hiring managers focused on their tasks and they're going to automate what they can. And hiring managers are now going to be focused on building relationships with their team. It's going to become more human relationship focused, which is crazy because that's what you think it should be a lot. But they're going to do a bot. They're going to need a bot to do that? No, no, no. They're going to try to automate what they can't, like administrative tasks and responsibilities. And then they're going to allow managers to focus on building stronger relationships with their team. Interesting. Okay. So I actually, I love that because first of all, managers should be with their team for sure. But then also when you think about it, you should have your own interview team. Why don't, doesn't any company have their own interview team? Because when you think about it, if you're going to have someone interview, they should be interview professionals. They should have all the best practices, which we all know doesn't exist. Um, and they should have the best candidate experience, which we all know that doesn't exist. But then they also should be able to have that sell tactic as well to make sure people are like really interested in the company, which comes with candidate experience. So, oh, I'm interested in this. Well, that would require the managers to actually acknowledge that, that they don't know what doing. is a strategy <laughs> and a talent and all of that. Yeah. I which mean, is what we're trying to do here. <laughs> insert the talent takeover, right? That's yeah. what we're trying to do is educate everybody in a relatable way. I mean, these are real situations that we experience, Happen all real things we see every single day. And I think it's just a lack of really understanding the value recruiting has in any organization to any organization. Yeah. I'm 
so we talk about that, you know, there is no um, training for recruiters, you know, but if you really want to dig deep, there's actually one, no training for hiring managers, but also there's no best practices in interviewing. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that just, I mean, I knew that, but you just kind of hit me with a ton of bricks on just what the solution could be. And I was like, wait a minute, if they're going to do that, then they better as well have a high, an interviewing team. Yeah. Like, why do they not have that? And when you think about it, it's like, well, that's really expensive. Well, how much does it cost you? Like we were talking about, how much are hiring managers costing you? Oh, well, hell, hundreds of millions. To go back to a previous example, Toyota does. I told you that. They have ah. a dedicated interview team. But like I said, they were years ahead, seven years ahead, I would say, of the candidate experience. It was important to them before it was a thing for it mm-hmm. to be important. And they did have that. And they went through a pretty rigorous interview training for that. That's company culture, um, the diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that. I mean, really intense training. But I'm like, that's incredible. That's a game. And it was their own that they created, which is why I love that we're creating these hiring yeah. manager interview training and best practices. Because, I mean, of course, that's going to be some of it's going to be just perspective. But most of it is what we've seen in the industry every single day, year over year. There's themes. Yeah, so interesting. You know what I really enjoy? And we're definitely going to have some guests on for sure, even though I know you love us here, just the two of us. But uh, we're going to have some hiring managers on. You Mm -hmm. know, there's lots of directors of engineering, VP of engineering and so forth that really want to keep it real. And they're, you know, upset that they haven't had the training and that uh, one in particular has a recruiting friend, really good friend of his, and that that recruiting friend has taught him a lot and really had put him in his place. And he admitted that just as last year, he's been able to have a lot more success because he realized he needs to put himself in the shoes of a recruiter. I love that. Yeah. That's phone a friend. That <laughs> phone, phone a friend. friend. <laughs> Was it love line? Yeah, something. <laughs> well, recruiter line. I've got my own love line. <laughs> um, no, but I really do love, and that this individual took the time to educate themselves too, to actually reach out to mm-hmm. their friend. And I mean, I don't have any friends that do what we do, but I really don't know the ins and outs in, of what they do either for True. them to teach Solid. me anything. So I think that's what we love, right? Educate mm-hmm. yourself, whatever that looks like, a mentor, an advisor, whatever, educate yourself. I love that that person didn't think that they knew all there is to know about interviewing just because they've hired people before. Yeah. Well, first of all, they didn't come without a cost because originally that person was barking down recruiters necks because he's like, why is my rec not getting filled? And he happened to be bitching, who is a good friend of his, to a recruiter and he set him straight. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. <laughs> okay. So not, not as self-aware as I originally thought, hey, but, but self-aware enough to change, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they understood the assignment at some point. So that's all and we that, can ask yeah, for. Yeah, that's all that matters. There's a, there was a shift in one higher, like one down. Yeah, exactly. We got it. We got that. Uh, you know, the reason why this subject is so interesting is because I think we can see it through a few different lenses. And just recently I was talking to a recruiter friend of mine um, that was just so frustrated with a hiring manager. This rec was open for about eight months. This person is responsible for filling it. So again, it's like, you know, it's being a head against, head against the wall. He's feeling like he's a failure and this this isn't working. Can't get through this, this uh, recruiter. And so thankfully he went to a higher up on the uh, TA team and said hey like I don't I don't know what else to do like I'm not doing my job like what's going on and luckily that recruiter ran some data and they said hey actually this hiring manager you have given this person two times the amount of candidates that any other hiring manager has had this entire um, half of the year six months and still isn't hired 
But what's crazy is that this recruiter had to go up the ladder in order to complain. And honestly, wasn't complaining. It was more of like feared his job. Yeah. For the recruiter to say, pull the data and be like, actually, this hiring manager is kind of fucked up because he is taking all this sourcing power from other hiring managers, not hiring and making our team feeling like they're not doing their job. Like, what mm-hmm. the hell? But it took someone literally complaining. Like, what, how is that okay? Like, where are those standards? Where are those, like, who's who's pulling a flag? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then that, you just made me think of another episode is, um, you know, talking about the recruiters having those difficult conversations yeah. and how do you get comfortable with that? Because you'll all have to do it at some point. So it's how do you get comfortable? I'm not getting what I need from you or you don't have realistic expect- expectations. So I call it the nice nasty because it's like you're trying to accomplish something like help me help you. Yeah. Right. But you have to take on a more of an assertive tone to get them to understand. And most of the time, 98% of the time, it's data. You have to show them. You could have been telling them in your weekly one-on-one like, hey, the salary range is really presenting an issue in this market, in this location. But until they see the data... That's why I love those market analytics reports because I really think that that just is like that shows why we're here and what we do and that, hey, if yours is out of line, it's versus us just saying it, right? We put data in front of them. I feel like it hits different. When you have data, it just hits different. Yeah, and you know what? This actually goes back to the habits of a shitty recruiter or just the uh, essential uh, ingredients of recruiting. But if you don't have that candidate tracker, so you can be the most amazing recruiter ever in the universe, but you're eventually going to hit a hiring manager that has bad practice. Mm -hmm. And that it doesn't matter what you do, how good of a recruiter you are, you are going to fail with them because that's – what that hiring manager is about. They're not about hiring. And if the hiring manager is not about hiring, you're not doing your job. But if you have your candidate tracker and you know what effort has gone forth, that's your data. Absolutely. And that's why it's the only thing that you can do to be that amazing recruiter is to have your own data. Um, and that's when you can tell your company, hello, Facebook, Google, whoever you are, whatever company you're for, this hiring manager is costing you all a lot of money. Yeah, you're able to identify the bottlenecks and they help them pivot. It's typically like that. It's themes. There could be departments that are literally impacting your time to fill. And some organizations monitor that pretty closely. Yeah, they have a goal of less than 90 days to fill any job at any level. So it's like, who's impacting that and really getting to see where their basically gaps are. Yeah, and most of the time it lands in TA's lap, recruiter's lap. Yep. And that's when it's not fair. So how can we change this? How can we ensure that companies are not getting taken advantage of with hiring managers because that that's they're just costing us too much money how like where i guess where can we start how can the recruiters help fix this and then we'll kind of dissect it with companies but i think it starts even before the recruiters i think it starts with us the conversations we have about the client engagement with the client right what what are your hiring needs what positions do you have open and it's asking those questions you know how long has this role been open what are the obstacles that you've run into like we have to vet that first to know kind of what we're signing up for and I think that's where it starts is understanding what the obstacles are and you can tell by the questions that you ask and the answers that you get if the hiring manager is a bottleneck and it's either usually the hiring manager for all the reasons that we've stated or it's the company interview process. Like the the process they've determined is the process. It's eight steps. You've talked to 13 people. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work in today's market. And and being, we've had some clients like that dig in their heels and just not willing to change and have lost 
probably 75% of the candidates that we've put forth that have been amazing and other companies have hired yeah. um, just because they're, they're losing them in the process. But how can we identify that it's the hiring manager's fault? I would, we asked those questions about the process, like asking them, oh, well, you haven't liked anybody thus far. They haven't gotten past interview round number two. Why is that? Just really digging in and knowing what questions to ask to understand if it's like, like we've had um, a hiring manager tell us, well, uh, I have candidates fall out because we won't pull the trigger quick enough. We're required to have at least two weeks from the time that the candidate completes the, the panel interview to the time that they go to the founder interview, mm. or the CEO interview. He requires at least two weeks. It's <laughs> There's no real reason. It's just like two weeks before they can meet with you. So stuff like that yeah. where I say that's not necessarily the hiring manager, yeah. but it's CEO, but yeah, okay. But it's still something that's outside of their control. That's a bottleneck in the process. But for the most part, it's the hiring provide feedback timely. I think setting expectations and stuff, you know, like us doing that on the front end. And then of course the recruiters reiterating that weekly yeah. and being assertive. You know, we can establish what your metrics are, um, what feedback you need. I, I need feedback on res resumes and interviews within 48 hours. Yeah. Tops. And give them those mm -hmm. SLAs and expectations. But at the end of the day, the recruiter has to hold them accountable for that because we don't know if they're doing that or not. Yeah. So that go that speaks to, you know, recruiters. And this is hard. And again, this is a different subject. But how can they, you know, we want them to feel empowered in order to speak up to hiring managers because technically a hiring managers in most most instances outrank a recruiter yeah so that's the hard part is the recruiter is literally holding them to their job but i say this a lot is you don't let anyone affect your ability to get your job done mm -hmm. and that's really important and so in this instant when i'm, I'm going back I'm, I'm thinking back to this recruiter i was talking about who was pitching about their hiring manager um what it, he was just saying he's like you know what now I feel like this person wants to hire someone that's more of like in their level. So a good example of that is I guess I had a very, very intelligent person, maybe, you know, let's just say coming from Facebook. So let's just say an A player team and they're currently, you know, recruiting for a B player team. And this particular hiring manager came from a B player team as well. A players versus B players. Lots of times B players don't hire A players because they don't want to be put in their spot, mm -hmm. you know? And so that you have to look at when you're thinking about hiring managers costing you money. Are they willing? I know you talked about this in another episode. Are they willing to take someone that outranks them, that is better than them, that might push them out of their role? You know, yeah. and, and that's a whole other <laughs> separate can of worms that and reasons why hiring managers can cost them money. Well, if you're confident, then it won't be, you right. know, they'll see it as like, okay, well, I'm just finding somebody that can backfill me so I can go on to do other things. Yeah. That's not the, the reality of most of their mentality. I, no other organization I've worked at besides this one yeah. really has that. Okay. I want to surround myself with people that I think are better, smarter, going to make me better. It's definitely a theme to be intimidated by people you hire and even your peers. Yeah. Like no. it's so, it's so competitive. It is. And it's so sad that, you know, people don't uh, take that as like motivation. I, now, we, I know we're running out of time here, but I can't help myself because Taylor, you know, you, you are my work soulmate here. I remember when I talked to you and I was like, man, she fucking knows a lot. She's going to teach me a lot. Like, this is cool. Like, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone with this. And I remember when you started being like, all right, 
I got to like, I got to work out extra this morning because I got to be in my A game to, you know, <laughs> take her into this organization. Three zip fizzes. <laughs> <laughs> Three zip fizzes. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, th- there's a lot to be said with hiring managers in general. But, you know, the bottom line is to sum it up is you can't let your hiring managers cost you money because in general, recruiting costs you money, hiring costs you money. And if the bottlenecks are the hiring managers, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it's, I mean, the theme, make a decision. Yep. Make- and there's a way to have that conversation to pump up their ego to get them to make a decision. Like, you know what you're doing. You're very decisive. You're a founder. You started this company. And it's like, you know what your gut's telling you. Make the decision. Mm -hmm. Because they know that that's who they're going to pick anyway. Who you you usually touching on like three episodes again. Woo, you got it. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Again, thank you for watching. Uh, I'm watching. (laughs) Thank you for listening. I'm used to, you know, YouTube here. Uh, But we are going to end with a broke to boss tip from Taylor. Yeah. So our broke to boss tip of the week is to make networking an extremely important part of your recruiting process. Ah, Make it an important part of your job in general, but especially for recruiters. Um, Some of the best candidates we find are through different networking groups and associations we're a part of. And then as you guys have heard me say before, hiring managers can turn into customers, clients, or excuse me, candidates can turn into customers, clients. So you know, make networking with your candidates, different associations, um, and even referrals a huge part of your recruiting process. You'll feel a lot of jobs that way. Awesome. All right. See you guys later. Thanks, y'all. See you y'all. next Tuesday.